Did she just fall from heaven? Chad couldn't believe his eyes, or it could have been the stardust from Laura's sudden arrival. This epic follows the story of the spacecraft Laura following a harrowing moon landing and the return back to Earth. Stay tuned for Starry Eyes. Yo, 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 welcome everybody. You're back to another Fried Squirms. What episode number is this? I forgot to ask you before we started the this show. This is number 106. Awesome. Episode 106, Starry Eyes. I think we have to start off with a couple explanations. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. First explanation, you might not have ever seen Starry Eyes before, but what you just heard before the theme song obviously is not the actual synopsis. <laughs> No, it would be a completely different film we'd be talking about today. We have a friend and supporter, Liz, who made an amazing guess as to what this movie was about based off of the title alone, and I absolutely wanted to feature it on the show. And you may end up with more shows started off like that, so look forward to that in the future, because I am still having a hard time not laughing thinking know, about man. that right now. It is funny. It's really good because you had mentioned to me that she's not a fan of horror, but just hearing her impressions on the title alone, it's like, man, that is so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but we are here to talk about Starry Eyes, and that's where the other explanation comes in. We weren't able to do a test your fright today. And that's okay. There's several reasons lend its hand to this. This weather has been kind of shit, too, so yeah. that doesn't help matters. But yeah, we did that's... have a backup plan, so that worked out. By we had a backup plan, <laughs> you mean we discussed it at 9.30 last night it's like... over text. Are we going to do a backup episode? Are we just going to hand in some bullshit? Yeah. And we decided to do an entire episode. We crammed in notes for a movie, yeah, a good movie. For sure. And that's what we're here to talk about this week. But before we get to it, how about some news? I'm sure we've both seen at least a little bit of news. Yeah. So aside from my personal little bits of what I've been doing, which is not a whole lot, like I said, because of the weather, just kind of catching up on True Detective. I watched the season finale last night. I've been trying to read as much as I can on The Shining because I do want to read Dr. Sleep because that movie's coming out later this year. So that way, at least I'll have a little bit of background knowledge on it. But yeah, aside from that, some of the stuff that caught my eye in terms of horror news is Rob Zombie. He is teasing that there are many bizarre cameos in Three from Hell, and that includes Chaz Bono. Along with that, I did see that there's appearances from Danny Trejo, Kevin Jackson, Wade Williams, Jeff Daniel Phillips, Clint Howard. I know we've mentioned him several times. Pancho Malaire, Emilio Rivera, looks like Daniel Roebuck, David Urey, Sean Whalen, who we've mentioned a couple awesome. times on the show. Yeah, dude. You have Austin Stoker, Dee Wallace, we're big fans of her, Richard Brake, Bill Oberst Jr., who was in Death House. He was like this side character. Mm-hmm. Richard Riley, Dot Marie Jones, and Tom Papa. So looking forward to that. It looks like it's going to get a later release this year. A lot of his movies are kind of like a who's who of old school horror anyway. Absolutely. So yeah, so it's cool to see. I'm excited to see who might pop up. 
yeah. who I'll immediately recognize and who I'm going to have to like go back <laughs> like, and do my fucking research. But it's still neat. It just shows that he's a fan, a true fan of the genre. So it's nice to see that he's using people who've been in the genre for a while. All right. And the next little bit of news that I saw that was pertinent was John Krasinski is officially on board to direct A Quiet Place Part 2. Now, we did mention that he was on board to write, so it looks like he's also going to direct it, which is cool. Paramount has dated the film for May the 15th of 2020, so for fans of the first one, the sequel will be out next year. I don't know if I'll go check it out. I might. We'll see. It's cool to see him doing some horror. All right, the next thing I saw is a person that we've mentioned before on the show because of one of his films, but looks like S. Craig Zoller. He's got a new film, and this one is cool because it stars Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. The name of it is Dragged Across Concrete. It looks like it's getting a March 22nd, 2019 release. There is a trailer available for it. Some of the other people that star in it are Michael J. White, big fan of him, Jennifer Carpenter. Mm-hmm. It looks like Udo Kier is going to be in it as well, Don Johnson, and Thomas Kreshman. So I'm looking forward to that one. I did see that Netflix has acquired a Chinese smash hit. It's called The Wandering Earth. And if I'm not mistaken, it made like 600 million bones. Oh, shit. Yeah. So looking forward to it. I did hear some buzz about it from people who are familiar with that film. Okay. They say it's pretty damn epic. So it'll be exciting to be able to stream it here in the States. All right. Now, there is a distribution company that I'm interested in because they've got some really dope-ass releases. I don't own any of them, but that might change soon. So it looks like 88 films, they have released their March schedule of films that they're going to release. So some of them include The Green Inferno, Cannibal Holocaust 2, and Cannibal Horror. Now these are follow-ups to Dodato, which okay. is really cool, yeah. So it looks like they're going to get some March 11th releases, then on March... I'm going to guess, because I haven't heard of them before, they're yeah. unofficial Yeah, pretty sequels, much. Sequels, kind of like much. how, I believe there's something like... There's a, a stupid number. Like, like there's like a hundred Django sequels, except yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying with that. And the same thing with Cannibal Holocaust. Like there are so many Holocaust cannibal style films that came out afterward. So on March 25th, was Craven's film The Swamp Thing is going to get its release on 88 Ooh. films. And then the next two late March releases are a pair of sequels. That's Candyman's Farewell to the Flesh and The Rage Carry Part 2. So those will be released a little bit later on in March. You know, I've been really itching to revisit the Craven Swamp Thing since I have in recent years a read I've seen a it. lot of Swamp Thing. So. That's pretty awesome. And the last little bit of news I have, and that pertains to awards, because there was an award show last night. There was a big one, and then there was one that I'm more interested in. So the Oscar awards were last night. It looks like Black Panther took home a lot of awards, which is really dope. Yeah, none of the big ones, but it's also the first Marvel movie to win any Oscars. So. Yeah, so that was really cool. But the news that I'm more excited about is, in conjunction, Fangoria had their Chainsaw Awards last night. And some of the films that we're more interested in, <laughs> well, you know, of course, they did not get nominated for any awards at the academy awards but that's all right so last night tony collette she won the best actress for hereditary in that category hereditary also won prizes for best supporting actor in alex wolf best director in ari aster best screenplay aster as well best kill and best wide release movie 
Jeez, you know, I'm going to look these up because I want to see who they were up against in some of these categories because, like, I mean, I, I dug that movie and we're going to talk about it more yeah. in the future, but to sweep all of those seems uh, maybe a little excessive. <laughs> I'd be surprised. <laughs> but what did you say it won? Okay, so Tony Collette won Best Actress in that category. So that would have been, let's see, up against Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Violetta Shrewlow in Cold Hell. I don't know how to say that last name. I'm sorry, Violetta. Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place and Nadia Alexander in The Dark. Yeah, yeah, Tony Collette. All the way. That's fine. Yeah, which is pretty dope. Yeah. All right, so it also won prizes for Best Supporting Actor. That was Alex Wolf won that category. Oh, you know what? Fuck that. Do you know why? Do you know I who have, he was I, up against? I don't know. <laughs> David Howard Thornton. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, dude. That's pretty awesome. Art? So, if you're going to go supporting, I'm going to have to go with Art over the kid from Hereditary. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, so, I mean, it won quite a bit. The other ones that kind of rounded out... I'm just going to keep disputing this. What else do you got? (laughs) Okay, so the winner of the best limited release movie was director Panos Cosmatos, Mandy. Best limited release? Best limited release, yeah. I mean... Ooh, that I mean that starts to get tough because that puts Mandy up against Suspiria, basically. Yeah, what those else are going to be the top two because you got Anna and the Apocalypse, ah. Mandy, Revenge, which I heard is pretty good. It's up on Shutter right now. Uh, you know, I actually went and seen it, and is it? Eh. It's it's yeah, it's all right. It's not bad. I I wouldn't. Mandy's much better, dude. Yeah, and then you have Suspiria and Terrifier. Now I do oh, Suspiria yeah. and Mandy are on a level. Yeah, of totally their own compared to some of compared those to others. the rest of that. Yeah, and I think it could be a coin toss between either one of those films. I would have been happy either way. Mm-hmm. Now Nicholas Cage, he won Best Actor in that category. Okay, and yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a couple of these movies, but I've seen at least clips from some of these movies, and I could see how that would work out because you also got James Jude Courtney, Nick Castle, and Halloween. Okay. Which okay. Was that even acting? Like, uh, that's yeah. a lot of just, like, scary walking. Anders Danielson Lie, The Night Eats the World. I don't even know that movie. That, yeah. Matt Dillon in The House That Jack Built. Haven't I seen it yet. I still haven't seen it, yeah. But I heard it gives a good performance, but it's hard to say because we haven't seen it. And Logan Marshall Green in Upgrade, okay, which I've only heard that. really yeah. good things about. But Likewise. The same people that told me really good things about Upgrade would also absolutely put Nick Cage and Mandy over other things. You know what I mean? So well, sweet. The other award that Mandy won was composer Johan Johansson had won the best score. Oh, sweet. I mean... I'm pretty sure he'd be against Tom York and Suspiria. Yeah, and Colin Stetson and Hereditary. Okay. Also, Frank Elfman in Ghost Stories. Haven't seen Ghost Stories. I've heard some good things about Uh, that one, yeah. Oh, and Fabio Fritzi in Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Yeah, I know we've mentioned him. Dude... That would His be a hard one. Dope. Yeah, he does some good scores. So that's a sounds like a rough win, so good for him. Yeah, no kidding. So the other ones that I did see were Suspiria did win the award for Best Makeup Effects. That was won by Mark Coulier. And Best Supporting Actress for Tilda Swinton. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw Terrified, which is an Argentinian horror film, won Best Foreign Language Movie. The Ritual won Best Creature Effects. That was won by Sierra Russell and John Russell. The Mike Flanagan directed The Haunting of Hill House, won Best Series, and Bird Box won Best Streaming Premiere Movie. You know what? 
there's a lot of people that have been raving about Haunting of Hill House, but considering it was up against Castle Rock, I'm Oof. just going to have to say bullshit on that. Dude, Castle Rock was fucking awesome. I think The Queen might have been one of the best episodes of TV all oh, year. Oh, period. Yeah. All I would year. totally agree with that. That show I'll was I'll put that so one episode good. against entire other shows. Man, I know we had our list of favorite movies, and I know you mentioned some of the shows. And I, I don't know why I we forgot, forgot to... about it. I don't know how I forgot. Dude, I was listening to an interview where they were talking about Castle Rock just yesterday, and I was just like punching myself, because I'm like, how did I not bring this up? Because that show was so good. So we, good. We sat around week to week trying to figure you. out what the fuck was going on. Just like in our personal lives, yeah, not even fun. like here on the show, it was very much a mystery and something we were very involved with. And <laughs> I, I mean, The Queen. Dude, it was such a great episode. Yeah, if you haven't seen the show, highly recommend it. Let us know what you think if and when you get to that episode. If you could have Best Supporting Actress for a series, yeah. not a movie, Sissy then killed, Sissy Spacek. Dude. She killed. So good. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend it. So yeah, that was the last little bit of news that kind of caught my eye. Like I said, I was doing some laundry last night. I saw that the awards were on, but I was like, I don't really keep up with that shit. Maybe next year we'll make our predictions on the Chainsaw Awards yeah. before they come out. Yeah, this was actually kind of interesting looking over some of these nominees and, com- and shit. Considering how many films we watch throughout the year, too, it's like we can't help but see some in the theater, maybe catch some on streaming services. So Yeah, that'll be fun for next year. And I like calling bullshit on whoever. Yeah, I'm okay with that too, because you know, <laughs> we're all entitled to our own opinions, and that's what I like about this. It's fun. Yeah, and I like calling bullshit when I can. Yeah. Anyway, Are, is there any news that caught your eye this week? Yeah, unfortunately, Beverly Owen died this past week. I did see that earlier. Uh, the original Marilyn Munster, and so that sucks because the Munsters is awesome. Munsters is such a great I mean, show. And we've talked about the Munsters a few times because Fred Gwynn was in Pet Cemetery. Exactly. And, yeah, no, I always love that show. It's just kind of a bummer. I agree. You know, we talked about this several times over, but unfortunately, the older we get, the older these actors and actresses get, too, that we grew up watching. So it's just unfortunate. It's one of those things that's going to continue to happen. I wish that wasn't the case, but it's still nice to remember these people, too. You know what I mean? Even if it might have been years or decades since we've seen them. Yeah, so if you think about it, go get in some Munsters this week. Yeah, highly recommend it, too. Great show. But otherwise, that's about all I had. I, I thought I had more, but when I went to look for it again, I, I didn't see whatever it was that <laughs> stuck out at me earlier. So. Nah, it's all good. Like I said, it's pretty much been a laid-back weekend. We were preparing for two films a day, but we decided on this one. So I'm still happy with it, though. I know. I made some fucking bread that I was going to turn into bread yeah, pudding. Your bread's been pretty dope, dude. Oh, dude, this new one. Oh, mm. So this isn't the bread <laughs> podcast, though. I swear we're about to get to the horror. In fact, if you're ready, I I'm think ready. we should just get into the guts and bolts of Starry Eyes. Guts and bolts, starry eyes. We're going to try to stay away from spoilers, but tell you a little bit about who and what went into this here movie. 
Yeah, and we'd like to kind of lead off with a brief synopsis, maybe try to sell a, a real bit synopsis. On it. Yeah, a real synopsis this time. We still enjoy Liz's take on what she thought the movie's about. So, a good synopsis for this movie, I think, is one aspiring actress discovers just how far she'll go to attain her dreams. Starry eyes. <laughs> Highly recommend the song by Rocky Erickson, by the way, too. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that song in it's a awesome, while. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> we might end up listening to that in between breaks now, just because otherwise it's not going to get out of my head. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, that's a good brief synopsis. You had mentioned we like to talk about who goes into making these films. You know what? I'm really glad that we got to this one, too, because there's something coming up that I wanted to see this movie before we got to their newest movie. Likewise. And I thought that was probably considering the time frame that we're working with too it was probably our best bet to go with these gentlemen today because this film is directed by two gentlemen and those gentlemen are kevin koch and dennis widmeyer they've been partners for over 20 years in terms of filmmaking writing scripts etc they started off with some documentaries actually and one of them is postcards from the future it's the chuck palaniuk documentary them starting off in documentaries makes so much sense I'll get to it in the how does it make you squeal, but that kind of fits into one of my notes that I made. So Well, good. That's good to know. So from that, they went on to direct such films as Absence. They did the film Holidays, which is an anthology. They were responsible for the Valentine's Day segment. If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Mr. Smith was involved. I was about to say, he. yeah, I was like, they were part of Holidays? I know Holidays. Yeah, they <laughs> okay. Now, they were also responsible for directing three episodes of Scream, the television series that was back in 2016, and the film that we're kind of alluding to, they are responsible for the remake of Pet Cemetery that's coming out here in April. So I'm really looking forward to it now, considering what we know about this film. Okay, let's talk about this okay. real quick, because it's not going to go into spoilers for either movie. But I know a lot of times... Well, I mean, I don't think any time, for the most part, especially in wide-release movies, do the actual directors of the movies have anything to do with the trailers. Those are, like, completely done with, like, marketing firms and stuff. No doubt. I heard some people express some dismay at the way some of the visuals in the trailer were being presented and how kind of generic Hollywood horror they seemed. And I'm wondering how much of that now is just because of the editing from the marketing company after seeing this movie. Yeah, that's a very good way of looking at that, too. Because I tend to believe that if we're basing their style off of this film that we're reviewing today, I have my doubts about what the trailer was showing us. Yeah, exactly. Not that we weren't already no, was, excited yeah, to see I'm that movie, stoked. but now I'm in like... light of seeing their <laughs> earlier work... That trailer doesn't evoke the same sort of feelings that they are really good at expressing through yeah, their camera work. I totally agree with that. So, and you know, of course, we'll get more into that as we progress in this episode. But super looking forward to Pet Cemetery. Right now, I did mention that there are writers because they're both the writers on this project. Our cinematographer on this was Adam Bricker. He's been the DP on such films as Jack Squared might have seen his work in lust for love he was responsible for being the dp on 19 episodes of the college humor originals those range from 2011 through 2014 
You might have seen his work on all these small moments. One series that you and I both watch, I know we both dig, because he was a DP for all 16 episodes of American Vandal. Oh, damn. Yeah. Fucking love American Vandal. I was like, oh, snap. No, he was also the DP on the Valentine's Day segment of the film Holidays. Okay. So as we start talking more and more about this film, you'll start seeing these names working on the same projects. But fuck all that, American Vandal. Yeah, dude, so good. Another one, check it out. It's on Netflix. Fucking hilarious. Who drew the dicks? <laughs> Who drew the dicks? <laughs> Who did the dicks? Oh, man, that's so good. Okay, so our editors on this, one of them was Dennis Widmeyer, and the other one was Brody Gussar. Now, Brody has been responsible for editing such films as Cheap Thrills, The Next Big Thing, the 60-yard line. So if you're a fan of the Green Bay Packers, it's based off true events. I looked at some of the actors in it. It's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. <coughs> Got him. Damn. Got him. Anyway. All right. And he was also the editor on the film Mohawk. I think Mohawk might actually be the biopic about my little brother. <laughs> that's awesome. He's been rocking one for like the past two decades. Dope. Straight. Yeah. <laughs> That's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Mohawk's your boss. All right, the music on this, which from what I read, the original plan for this film was to have an orchestra. But instead, Jonathan Snipes stepped in because of the Kickstarter on this, and he got the project. And along with being on this project, he has done the music for such films as Reversion. He's helped with the music for Room 237, the documentary mm. about The Shining. You might have heard his music in Q. That was the segment. That was part of the ABCs of Death, part two. For a so, second, I thought you were going to say Q, the winged serpent. No, that would and been, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> <laughs> he was also responsible for the music in the Nightmare documentary. That's all about sleep paralysis. He was also responsible for Valentine's Day segment of Holidays music. He was also responsible for the music in the films Rebirth, The Veil, in the short film called Below the Trees, which looked really interesting, actually. Our special effects, this was done by SOTA FX. That's S-O-T-A. That's an acronym. Now, there is one person I did want to mention who worked in special makeup. Is that like they're from Minnesota? Minnesota. <laughs> no, actually, from I think soda? they're LA-based. I did see, like, oh, okay. just a So they're little... not from SOTA? No, not from SOTA. <laughs> one of the people on this is Hugo Villasenor. And I was looking at some of the projects that he's worked on. I listened to some interviews, and they had mentioned his work on this film for obvious reasons. But I wanted to look at some of the other ones. And he was responsible for stuff like uh, prosthetics work and the pick of destiny, Tenacious D's. Oh, shit. I was like, damn, that's pretty dope. He was also responsible for special effects in the movie Star Trek. That was a 2009 version. I really dig this film because it's hilarious. If you like Sam Rockwell, if you like Jennifer Coolidge, if you like uh, Jermaine Clement, I would recommend Gentleman Broncos. Oh. Funny film. It's kind of a little bit like Napoleon Dynamite in the way it plods along. Really funny film. He's also done special effects for such things as Toolbox Murders 2. Yeah, he's actually done some pretty big projects, too. Now, he did some work on Bone Tomahawk. He was in the makeup department for that. If you've seen anything from the Lazarus effect, you might have seen some of his makeup effects. And he was also the makeup department guy in the film Bright. That was a Will Smith Oh, the film. Netflix. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, oh, that's pretty neat. They were really praising that guy's work on this film, and I can understand why. 
All right, our producer on this is Travis Stevens. He is the founder and CEO of Snowfort Pictures. The reason being because our production companies were Snowfort Pictures, Paralactic Pictures, which is the company of Dennis Whitmire and Kevin Kolsch, Dark Sky Films, they were in association with, and Title Media were also our producers. Distributors were MPI Media Group. They helped with the 2014 USA theatrical release. And Dark Sky Films helped with the 2015 USA's DVD and Blu-ray release for this film. Release date, it had a premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival down in Austin, Texas on March 8, 2014, and statewide on November 14th. Taglines, I've got three different ones. The first one I have is, she would kill to be famous. The second one I have is, dreams require sacrifice. I like that And one. so do they. I like that more than the first one. The first one's a bit on I think the, you could just keep the ellipsis, yeah, yeah, on those. And the last one I have is, all dreams require sacrifice. Okay, yeah, yeah. I They're all like kind that. of, you know, on the nose with that, but yeah, I dig it. It's got an awesome poster. I see you looking at it. So, the cast of Starry Eyes, and I'll lead off with our main actress, and that was played by Alexandra Esso. She plays the character of Sarah Walker in this film. She started off by doing some shorts. One of them was Free to Go. You might have seen her in the film Ecstasy. She was also in an anthology film, and that was Tales of Halloween. She was in the segment Grim Grinning Ghost. I have no idea who she was because it's been so long since I've watched it, but I see here that she was in an episode of Reaper, and I loved that show. Nice, so dude. I had to have seen her at least once before this. Probably, yeah, <laughs> considering. She was also in the films The Neighbor. You might have seen her in Midnighters, the film Red Island. And I mentioned it earlier because she is playing Wendy Torrance in the upcoming Doctor Sleep. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. It's like, hell yeah. What I was about to say is that although I see she has definitely continued to work after this movie, she needs more. She was the standout. Man, she's so good in this movie. She's really good in this movie, and she deserves more extremely I mean, maybe she just wants to keep in small roles in these little indie flicks, yeah, but if that's what she wants to do, then go for it. But she has major talent. She has major talent. So nice. I mean, some of the, just because I haven't heard of these movies. Yeah, there's mean, a lot. It's of a small movie. Really <laughs> doesn't mean it's a small movie. I guess I just I don't know what the fuck it is. No worries. All right. So Amanda Fuller, she plays the character of Tracy, which is the roommate of Sarah in this film. You might have seen her in such films as Red, White, and Blue. She was also a part of Grey's Anatomy television series back in 2012. She was also in the films Cheap Thrills. More recently, she's been in Orange is the New Black. That was from last year in 2018. And she's also a part of Last Man Standing, the television series. I eventually need to get caught up on Orange is the New Black. I did like the first few seasons of that show, but I I heard it goes kind of downhill. Season two, yeah. All right, continuing on, I have Noah Sagan. He plays the character of Danny in this film. Now, you might have seen him in some bigger films because he was in the movie Brick, which I highly recommend that one. He yeah, was... well, it looks like he tends to work with Ryan Johnson a bit because he's also in Looper, and he has a small role in The Last Jedi. Exactly, which is really cool. He's also been a part of such films as Adam and Steve, What We Do is Secret, which, if you're any fan of punk rock, is based upon an L.A. band named the germs because pap smear was in that band belinda carlisle was a drummer for a little bit in that band 
It's about Darby Crash, really cool. You might have seen him in the film Dead Girl, which I actually own. It's a really good film. It's fucking crazy. He was in the oh. film Fanboys. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. I hadn't scrolled all the way down his filmography until just now. This motherfucker was a big part of my childhood. Oh, yeah, for a cartoon, I believe. He was Henry and Henry and June on fucking Kablam. Yeah. I fucking loved Kablam. Never never watched it. Oh, my dude. There's some shit on Kablam that you would dig. Nice, dude. Prometheus and Bob. Prometheus yeah. and Bob is the shit. <laughs> right. but, cool. Uh, wow, that kind of just blew my mind a little bit. I'm going to sit here in silence for a second. <laughs> no, that's pretty awesome. Now, he was also in Cabin Fever Part 2. That was Spring Fever. You had mentioned Looper. He was also in the segment The Week in the Wicked in the film Tales of Halloween. And you also mentioned he was in Star Wars Episode Eight for The Last Jedi. All right, the next actress I have is Fabian Therese. She plays the character of Aaron in this film. The first film I'd seen her in, which I didn't realize until much later, which she was in John Dies at the End. Oh. Yeah, love that film. She was also in the films Endless Love. You might have seen her in the film Southbound. Teenage Cocktail, Rebirth, and more recently, the film Hover. Right, next actress I have is Natalie Castillo. She plays the character of Ashley in this film. She's been in such projects as All Cheerleaders Died, Battered, Tales of Halloween. She was in the Night Billy Raised Hell segment. She's also a part of Alleluia, The Devil's Carnival, which is more of a musical. Shane Coffey, he plays the character of Poe in this film. He was a part of Perception, the television series from 2012 through 2015. He was in the film Sugar Mountain. He was also a part of the television series Pretty Little Liars from 2012 through 2017. He was also a part of Aquarians in a film I just mentioned, Hover. All right, Pat Healy, interesting guy. He plays the character of Carl, who owns the restaurant in this film. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Now, he's got some really cool credits to his name. I believe he kind of started off doing supporting roles in such things as Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. He was also in the film Ghost World, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which has Brad Pitt in it. And oh, yeah, Casey and it Affleck. has the fucking longest title ever. No fucking right. <laughs> and I've seen it, too, so I'm familiar. He was also in Rescue Dawn. You might have seen him in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. As scientist number one. I love him as scientist yeah. number one. <laughs> he was in Draft Day. He was in Dirty Girl, Snow Angels, Pearl Harbor, Home Alone 3. He's been in some really cool television series, too. He's appeared in Six Feet Under, a show I highly recommend. Love that one. He was a part of uh, Star Trek Enterprise. He was on 24. He was also a part of Grey's Anatomy, The Shield. You might have seen him in CSI, Without a Trace. It looks like he's done a lot of stuff like Chicago Hope, New York PD Blue, The Practice. So very active actor, pretty interesting guy. <laughs> he grew a mustache for this part. That was all him. All right, so... Along with Pat Healy, you also have Nick Simmons. He doesn't have a major part, but he plays the character of Ginkgo. And the interesting thing about him is not he's, him, really, is his dad and his mom. He's Gene Simmons' son. Yeah, exactly. Which, cool. That That's a credit right like, there. Good for him, dude. He was Ginkgo? Okay, yeah. he looks kind of like Gene. Now that I know who he was, like he does look a little bit like Gene. Yeah. So. No, you can't help but notice that. But I was like, all right, good for him, man. All right, Maria Olsen, she plays the character of the casting director, another interesting person. Now, she was born in South Africa. She's also a film producer, and she has been in such things as Paranormal Activity Part 3. You might have seen her in a Rob Zombie film because she was in The Lords of Salem. She was also in The Gore Orphanage. 
And some of her non-horror roles include Percy Jackson in The Olympians, The Lightning Thief. So, very active career. She's been in a lot of independent films. What, like 200-something credits to her name? Yeah. Yeah, super active, which is really cool. Good for her. She does a really good job in this film. I know that they did an American remake of Martyrs. It already failed. Oh, my God. But if they were to try to remake it again, I would cast her as... The Beatrice Dahl character? Yeah. Yeah. I could see her being that part. Yeah. For sure. Or put her in a, a John Evernall film. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. By the way, I saw him posting a lot of shit about Hellraiser on his gram the other day. Sweet, man. So He might have heard us. <laughs> John, if you're out there. Hit us up, bro. We'll we're telling you. you. You do it. <laughs> and then we'll tell everybody that we've been championing it for the last year and a half. Wait, I mean, if nothing else, we have some evidence. So Yeah, it's it it's all us. out there. Like, everyone knows that we've we've been the ones we've been that we called it. this. Anyway, <laughs> back, yes. back to Starry Eyes. No, no doubt. No doubt. So, Mark Center the assistant in this film. He's been in such films as I Know Who Killed Me. He was also in Cabin Fever Part 2. That was Spring Fever. He was also in Red, White, and Blue. You might have seen him in The Devil's Carnival. Tales of Halloween, that ding-dong segment. To round out my cast and crew, I have Luis Desaran. He plays the producer in this film. I looked at some of these guys' credits. been in some minor parts in several films, nothing we'd know, but yeah, that kind of rounds out the cast and crew, I know we gave you a brief synopsis. We should give you some warnings, because there's some surprises in this film. Yeah, let me see, warnings. Although, like, lengthwise, as far as the movie's concerned, like, it doesn't come up often, there is some very surprising gore in this movie. That's what I'm getting at. There's parts that are super gory. There's parts that are, if you don't like body stuff, yeah, don't it's, like it. it's mostly... Most of the movie is just like an unsettling body horror. Yeah. But then there's a bit towards the end where it goes <laughs> off the rails. I, I don't want to say any more than that for but, yeah, spoilers. I know what you're but saying. It, it turns into a extremely gory 10 seconds for sure. <laughs> yeah, dude. The rest are kind of Yeah, not that, as that bad. last act just... The rest is just violence, but there's one part where it's legit like full-on gore. Exactly. So there are some blinking lights, too. So if you are uncomfortable with... If it gives you seizures or anything, I'd say maybe avoid some of those scenes. And some sexual abuse of the uh, casting couch variety. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We should point out in the days of uh, hashtag me too. (laughs) Yeah. But outside of that, like I said, we said there was your basic stuff, some violence, some language, a little bit of nudity, not much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nudity. Never quite when you want to see it. Yeah, there's some sexual situations that you were alluding to. And, uh, yeah, just your garden variety gore and uh, body stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Us giving giving this warning actually makes the movie sound worse than it is. It's just that when it gets bad, it gets bad enough that we have to get these warnings. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, we'd be kind of leading you astray. Yeah. God, I guess with that, let's find out how this movie, Starry Eyes, Made us squeal. <laughs> Woo, starry eyes. Danny, tell me, how did it make you squeal? Well, I did mention a few episodes back that it was one of those films that I had picked up. And yeah, I was kind of not wanting to say a whole lot about this film until we gave it its proper due. So I kind of seen it before we even decided to review it. 
Right. So. I did know that. You mentioned that that you had watched it. So Yeah, so I was already kind of stoked about it. That was one of the reasons why I suggested it, because I'm like, we're suggesting this last minute. Yeah. He's already seen it. It's not going to be as hard to take notes. And oh, yeah. I haven't seen it's it, fun. though, so I binged it twice pretty nice. thoroughly. Yeah, I only watched it once Kinda this weekend, thoroughly. considering. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. Like I said, but I'm glad that we decided to go with this one. I'm glad that was a, a film that you wanted to pitch, too. So Either way, it was fun rewatching it. Well, I'm glad I finally got to see it, especially since these are the guys that are doing Pet Cemetery, and exactly. I wanted to... I don't know what all of their stuff looks like, but now I know at least what this looks like, and it has me more excited for Pet Cemetery. Yeah, so. and that was kind of my big takeaway from seeing it the first time. I was like, man, if their style is anything like it is in this film, in Pet Cemetery, it's whew, it's got me really pumped up about it. Now, we should say if there's any new listeners, this is where we get into spoilers, so... She kills everybody. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen the film, <laughs> you might want to go back and watch it and then catch up with us. But yeah, that's pretty much what happens, which you don't really see coming until at least halfway into the film. Okay, so about halfway through, I kind of figured everyone was going to die because maybe the only... I don't even know if it's a downfall. It just sets up the ending in a different way than a lot of other movies. But there's not really a single likable character in this movie. No, and I think that's probably part of And I think it's part and I think it's part of the commentary. Absolutely. This movie that's almost seems of... like it's making fun of itself at some points. Yeah. Like it's a it's, uh, the it movie is a seems smart commentary. enough that yeah. you have to assume that a lot of the things it does are intentional. And if they are intentional, then there's times where it's almost just making one big joke you know now the more i think about that too there is a quote in this film that might be super meta considering what we're talking about Mm -hmm. we'll get into it but and i'm gonna also i'm gonna have a hard time explaining anything to back up what i just said right there yeah but that was my overall feeling from the movie exactly and i was kind of feeling the same way it's like nobody in this film is you kind of want to pull for the main actress until you find out what she's until all about. she starts going downhill and like, then she becomes ooh. super unlikable the only person i really didn't want to see die by the end was like the roommate and the roommate wasn't the best person in the world but she was way more likable than any of the others yeah maybe i'm a little biased in this regard but kind of wanted danny not to die (laughs) (laughs) i kind of hoped that she was gonna go kill a fucking tater guy too oh yeah (laughs) i I was kind of pissed that he lived (laughs) yeah i think he was probably he wasn't even the worst either yeah and i think that's ultimately though that's the thing it's like none of them are bad people they're all just kind of shitty people yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head it's like i think more or less it's poking fun at probably some of the stereotypes in l.a Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right on the money. Let's start going through it from the beginning, because okay, we're out. both... You might have seen this before me, <laughs> but it's not like you saw this years ago. Oh, no, it was just like literally earlier this year. Yeah. So just a few weeks back. So one thing that jumped out to me in this film is some use of comedy. And it, it almost starts off that way, because one of the first things you see is Sarah... Being a waitress at this place called uh, Big Taters, Taters, and which is obviously Hooters, like from (laughs) the jump, you're like, oh, oh yeah, Hooters, exactly, (laughs) which is ironic in a lot of ways in this film. And one of the first things they mention is Freedom Tots. I was like, oh my god, who uses that term? (laughs) Yeah, I thought we joke about it. 
that's not the only time that it's like September 11th type shit gets brought up yeah, either. Because exactly. later on, there is a, an audition skit. Yeah, she has to do. That's all about that. That's funny. <laughs> We're definitely living in a post 9/11 world, apparently. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But aside from like a little bit of comedy, one thing that stood out—it's a major thing in this film—is the fact that she punishes herself by pulling her hair, and it's very neurotic. And I was like, "Ooh, this girl's got some problems." So that's where I knew this film was kind of setting itself up or something. Yeah, and that's—I guess it was some of that opening there where I was more wondering, like, how much of a problem is this going to be? Is this a symptom of what the problem actually is, or is she going to start like slamming her head into the wall martyr style? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. How how deep is this? Yeah. And at that point, we hadn't quite seen her side yet either, no, and we don't know what's quite causing it yet. Especially in the beginning, like it's all up in the air. Like she might be seeing things that are making her do this too. Yeah. At that point. Yeah, you really don't know for sure. Another thing that, as we're plotting along, you get to see the character, Aaron, and how she's kind of like the polar opposite. I don't, she's okay, like an this, antagonist to her. This is a movie where I couldn't catch anybody's names, for sure. Yeah. Like, I fucking hated it. I was like, who is who? They're saying names, and they never did enough to establish who no. anybody is. Yeah, I guess the easiest way for me to describe it is like the relation maybe to there. Mm-hmm. So the girl who's like the antithesis okay. of her. The yeah. one who's like, oh, it was just some stupid commercial part. Be thankful you didn't get it. Okay, okay. That girl. Yeah. So right at the end of the opening, like, going out on audition sequence, when she puts in for the silver screen, I did notice the second time around how it wasn't just, like, a normal, like, submit button. Yeah. Like, that she was clicking on the web form. <laughs> the full button was submit to this project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's a little bit on the nose there. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they were setting it up from the get go. But then when you move into where you, like you meet Sarah and that whole party, yeah, this is my second note of the fucking movie is, oh my god, these are all the worst kinds of artsy people. <laughs> yeah, they're all kind of douchey. <laughs> they're they're like, all douchey. Yeah, I like. Oh, they... the dude who's like, yeah, at the party, he's just. Oh yeah, my second note. Incel poetry? Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about Aaron, like she's hot, she wanna to talk to me and it's like what are you talking about, dude? He just rambling. But it's funny, you're right, you get to see the the, the dynamic of the group. But not not only is he rambling, but like I uh, see Aaron, she's so hot, she won't talk to me. I hear that she's a bicycle and I'm here that I'm not gonna get a ride, like <laughs> That's funny. You're right. It does feel like well, you know from the get go to that she's an outsider to these people as well it's like they're not necessarily her friends it's just no they're her roommates friends exactly so she's just they happen to be there she happens to be there she can't help it but i mean still like so we're not like in the hotbed of fucking like la or someplace where people go to actually try to make it but for where we're at we basically work at one of the hotbeds of a conglomeration of a bunch of (laughs) artsy people yeah you're right that do all sorts of music projects and film projects and various different types of artwork. And it seems like there's many people that we work with that have different types of art installations going on around town at any given time. 
and none of them were as bad as these people. <laughs> oh, not even close. Not even close. And it is quite a bit different. Yeah, we're out in the middle sure. of Montana, but still. Yeah, I know what you're saying, dude, for sure. <laughs> I mean, even on the East Coast, you're, you're going to have, like, you know, people like who are like, York. yeah, like, like you're going to have some really cool people like we have here. And then, yeah, the more you get into these more, I don't know, these kids are more in their head about all of it. Yeah all, yeah, all of it. They want to be all of it, consume all of it. That's where it's like, man, get fucking real. It's like, stop, be, stop being a dick. It's like, it's not, I love art, but you don't have to be a dick about it or a douche about it or pretentious. And then I guess my first positive note about the movie, <laughs> which is sounds really bad because I really enjoyed this movie. Like, I super enjoyed it. I just didn't enjoy any of the characters. <laughs> yeah, I know like, I mean, thought yeah. the movie itself was really fucking but you're right. good. I mean, none of, the, none of the characters themselves are very likable. So some of my notes sound really bad, but it's not anything no, against no, no, the movie. I, it's, it's just characters. Yeah, characters. But one of my things I did like was her room felt really fleshed out to like show her aspirations. But I noticed one of the things next to the light switch in her room was something that read R.I.P. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah. And I really wished that we could have got a bigger close-up on that to see what the fuck she wrote now, There were some interesting things in that room because there's also in the bathroom. She There's one scene she goes in there and on the wall there's like uh, this circular drawing and almost... I don't oh, know how yeah, much it I is noticed on the that. Nose. I noticed like, that. It says too. planets if you look at the letters, the way they're arranged. Oh, I was it's trying like, to make huh. out what it said. I... The reason being because of the studio company's name. I mean, that's a, that's a dead giveaway in this entire film. Yes, there was little things like that. There were some interesting anecdotes lying around for her character. I was really hoping when I went through the second time when it stopped and it showed her like wall of all the actresses that she wanted to be like i was really hoping that they were going to add the little detail of having like a bunch of them wearing the symbol i, I was wondering and i paused that too. it and i paused it and i looked and i'm like no they just used all their actual stock photographs and yeah. i'm like ah i like it but it would have been really neat if that would have been See, hiding in there <laughs> I think that's one of those things, too. I that, like it to build the character, but yeah. I really wish they would have hid something in there, just for me. There there are moments where you kind of feel that, too, because she aspires to be like these actresses. And the dark secret is, is probably the majority of them were could have been sexualized, casting couch, and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. Because it's if you follow any of that stuff, it's nothing new in the industry. No, nothing new. Yeah. But you're right. It would have been cool had there been like an inkling of anything associated with that cult. Also, this movie came out in, what, 14? Yeah, 14. So, like, right before everything really blew up? Ramped up, up yeah. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I'm wondering if this movie seems even more sinister in a way now, after all, like, the yeah, Weinstein allegations and... Oh, man, speaking of which, uh, like, watching Martyrs... Louis C.K. <laughs> well, Martyrs was a part of the Weinstein company. Like, right. oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Weinstein. God damn it. That takes nothing away from the film. It's just like, God damn. You're, you have to be reminded. <laughs> Miramax. Yeah, God damn it, Miramax. <laughs> so it's stuff like that. But I think that was a, a, a lot of their intention in, in this film was the really interesting tones of what Hollywood and the elite and stuff like that are all about. And because of the way that they fictionalize stuff in this film, there's probably groups of people who don't take it too serious. Oh, they're just making fun of it. But, I mean, there's some dark shit going yeah. on, dude. God, and honestly, when you look at this movie, like, as a whole, 
it's really easy, even though she does turn shitty during her transformation, it really is easy to feel bad and empathize with, what's her name? Sarah? Sarah. Sarah, yeah. That's the main chick, is Sarah? Yeah. With her situation, because... She ends up having to do the fucking casting couch shit, which turns into it's a nightmare. Uh, yeah, its own fucking living nightmare. Yeah, I think it's a metaphor for several things. Absolutely, drugs, disease, yeah, all sorts of shit. Yeah, exactly. Even just depression. <laughs> so it's it's hitting all these different dynamics in one uh, character. But her alternative is continuing to hang out with a bunch of fake people yeah. who are obviously fake. Especially fucking Aaron. leader of the fake bunch. Yeah. And still be consistently objectified in her work and feel like she's selling her soul on a daily basis yeah. working at fucking big taters. I mean, she made a point in the film. There's a line. She kind of gives it away. She's like, I'm selling my soul anyway. I might as well do it for what I enjoy. It actually reminded me a lot of Parker Posey in waiting for guffman oh gosh yeah. when she has that fucking heartbreaking moment where she's like oh, yeah there's always dairy queen yeah she just fell back on what she knew it's like they'll they'll always have me back at i can't remember the exact but line, no but it's like they'll always have me back at dairy yeah, queen you're right it's man they had these huge aspirations and but then i mean it goes past that because she yeah. fucking ends up burning her big taters bridge oh man <laughs> that was pretty good too she looked so fucking rough in that scene where she slaps Carl Pat Healy. Yeah. I <laughs> I mean he made a point he's like bitch you gotta go home you you struggling right now how dare you if I saw somebody <laughs> looking that rough though I don't think I could bring myself to 100% fire them until I found out what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I was like, Look, we can need to go to my office and talk. Yeah. What's going on? Are you alright? Even if they fucking slap me. Yeah, I mean, you know there's something... I, if you see somebody looking that fucking rough, you have to at least know yeah. what's going on. Because <laughs> yeah, she, she didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> no, so. she didn't. You could tell there was even like that second guess for a little bit after she slapped him. And then she fuck it. <laughs> Okay, let's back back up to oh, the yeah, party, because I did, bit. there's one thing I agreed with Aaron on. Okay. And I would also hope that The Silver Scream is a working title. Considering. Because that, the only thing that that works as a title for is a documentary about classic era horror. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I'm just like, that is fucking horrendous. That... Silver Scream, yeah. And I'm somebody that, uh, the name of our fucking podcast is Fried Squirms, and I'm like... Oh, oh no, that movie's not going to do well. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because it it doesn't conjure, I don't think, what its intention is. No, not one bit. That's kind of like Liz Gifford's <laughs> her take on today's film. <laughs> Beautiful take, this wrong film. <laughs> Beautiful take, wrong film, yep. God, I hope we get more of those in the future. I'm really going to try. That's uh, awesome. I'm going to just recruit her into this. Yeah, I mean, if she's up for it, she's got a, she's got a bit. I fucking loved her dream panic attack. That was awesome. If I'm not mistaken, that dream panic attack, the people who were casting directors or whatnot, one of them was Dennis Whitmere. The other one was Travis Stevens, who I think was a producer on this film. So there's two people, yeah, who were making cameos there. It was good because I totally forgot that it was a dream sequence. Because she started looking down and the words were kind of disappearing. And she was having a panic attack. And then fucking head was bleeding. You're like, oh, the one shit. thing I, I super loved about that, especially the second time through as I was paying just even closer attention, is that the words gradually disappear. 
and then it's all blank and just highlighted. Yeah. But before she starts bleeding, everything comes back. And I'm like, how disorienting would that be when you've looked down twice and it's looked different every time, and then you look down again and it's, everything's it's the way there. it should be? Yeah. How much do you start second-guessing yourself just from that right there? Exactly. It almost keeps you on an evener keel if everything keeps yeah, away. <laughs> what, well, yeah, what I like, too, about that is because it, she's so much in her head about that stuff, and you can tell that's probably where a lot of her anxiety and neurosis come from. But I think it's a way of, like, character development, too. It's like maybe feel a little bit more sympathetic for her because you can see where she's fucking up. <laughs> you know, that's what's holding her back. But she nails that the next day or that her audition. That was a, that 9-11 shit was... <laughs> Going into play. I was one of the greatest things about this. We already mentioned her acting is one of the the highlight parts so of this movie. Yeah. And I thought that it was super exemplified in that scene because you still don't get to see her go all out like you do Man. in the next panic attack. But in those first 10 minutes of the movie, you get to see her actually acting in the movie and seeming like a natural person which is hard to do on film in itself. Yeah, exactly. And then she has to act like she is a slightly better than average, but still kind of mediocre up-and-coming actress Yeah. and make that believable, which is kind of meta. It is. It really <laughs> is. And that's coming right out of fucking dream breakdown, panic attack. Yeah. Which then goes into a full-blown fucking over-the-top, fucking panic attack <laughs> yeah. that is all is super just a meta. super range of fucking emotions <laughs> yeah and really if you just pay attention to what she's doing yeah. it's so many weird little subtle differences no she's different things. a very uh, physical actress and you can tell like <clears throat> she takes it serious and prior to coming over i did listen to several interviews with her and the directors and and you can tell just in her approach to this film, like she's a fan of the genre. She knows a lot of films, a lot of horror films. And she drew inspiration, she said, from such films as like Possession. This is like a Sam Neill film that came out in 81, I think, 1980, mm. something like that. Yeah, so she drew inspiration from that. And she said she's a fan of Rosemary's Baby. And she mentioned The Shining. And, you know, she's just, she's a fan. So she knew that there was going to be some physical bits and she, she knows what it's like to have to go through the process of you know casting calls and all that stuff so but you're right she uh she nails it man <laughs> she's believable in, in every single thing she does in this film oh the other thing i noticed about that particular audition though was it just reminded me of the last time i was out of work which admittedly was a while ago now i love having a steady job <laughs> yeah but I really wish that all places only needed the digital once you had already submitted it. <laughs> I remember how frustrating that was, like fucking filling out somebody's application online. Yeah. And then going in for the fucking interview, only to have the first 30 minutes you're there being refilling out an application That's to hand annoying, in a fucking it? hard copy. It's like, come on, man. I, I already sent it in. You I should know. have all of this shit. You should have all of this shit. You should be able to bring it up on your fucking phone. It's not that hard. It's like, you wonder if they're trolling you at that point. <laughs> it's not that hard to fucking design a form that they fill out, and then you just have the info. Yeah. I could do that shit still. It's like, and I haven't had to do shit like that in a long time. Anyway, sorry. I. When he got in her face, though, and I was just like, by the way, I think he was the second standout. He was good. He was fucking good. The assistant? Yeah, the assistant. Yeah, he was really good. Being that character. I was totally believable, too. He nailed it believable and 
almost a weird caricature of what you would imagine sort of that being in that hellacious assistant would be you know what i mean exactly i loved it just rode the line oh he was really good perfect anyway when he brought that up when he's just like we already have it like we have your digital i was just like yes yes you do (laughs) she's like i just thought maybe she's like no 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 no. your performance is (laughs) all we're after today yeah i think too like the initial watch you know, those several weeks back. Too, and I like to say this is backtracking a little bit. That moment where the casting director comes in while she's having that freak out in the bathroom. She's like tugging her hair. She's like, what was that? We want to see more of that. Yeah, and then she goes into having to uh, perform. And what I like to do is, because we're reviewing these and we're not just watching it one time typically, is while I'm watching it on my computer, I'll slow it down. Because there are so many flashes that off. go on. I'm like... Meta, 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 <laughs> whack, 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 whack. Uh, but no, it's like certain things you capture in the, between those flashes because watching them, you know, right. your speed, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. So we have the advantage of getting to watch it more than one time typically. And during that first where she has to disrobe and the lights are flashing and blinking, right. and she has to get into herself. You get to see like there is a cult member in the room with them watching while that shit's going on. It's like, oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Before I completely forget because I'm fucking... Yeah, we high. Good and stoned. And especially because I didn't actually make a note of it. But while you're mentioning cult members... Now, it seems like lately in this past year, we've done a lot of movies that are kind of this same exact movie. Yeah. Because this is kind of Housewife. Yeah, I mean, there's been several films. This is Kill List. Kind of Kill List. This is kind of a movie that we have coming up. Yeah, it really is. Another um, interesting thing, too. Is and it's really a thing that I have now seen enough movies that do this formula yeah. to know that it's hard for them <laughs> to make masked cultists actually seem threatening. This movie rides the line. They yeah. at least don't seem silly like they do sometimes. I, I, exactly. I know what you're saying. Is It's just enough to where it's like, uh, you know, it is what it is, but... They don't overdo it. They don't overextend themselves, which is good. It's like they just keep it minimal. Yeah. But like I said, upon watching it several times now, it's, it makes me wonder how much too was Stanley Kubrick an influence on them, you know, because of, like I said, the upper class production people throwing these, we're casting couch calls oh, and all right. that stuff too. Um, Eyes wide, Eyes shut, wide stuff. shut. Yeah. So it makes me wonder how much of that they were using in this film. Some of David Lynch's stuff too deals with that. Not that it's. This film is so realistic like that, but it's a little... You can tell there's a little influence there. Okay, so tell me. You would have laughed, too, after those idiots had been jumping on the side of the pool when one <laughs> fucking chick slipped and busted her nose, right? Yeah. Because even dudes like, man, if I have to watch you chicks jump one more time for the gram. <laughs> and that was the dude that was all about the gram, right? Oh, yeah, he was all about it. I think that was the same... What's that same dude? It was... Doing like the little poetry thing in the beginning. Yeah, was that Poe or was that Ginko? I think that was Poe. Poe okay. was definitely in the pool because they used Gene Simmons' kid just sparingly in this film. Okay, it's mostly in the background. Those two were kind of interchangeable. I couldn't tell who was Poe and who was Ginko, but yeah, I was saying there's they don't do a whole lot aside from dying later on, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably their best parts. But after those fools jumped like twenty times in a fucking row. And she fell. She said I she was too close too. to the I... edge too. What do you expect? 
It's like, you fucking idiot. Dude, I'm scared to walk that close to the edge of a pool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I've been in those situations, too. It's like, you're going you know, to bust your ass, your head, or your fucking shins. Like, you know, yeah, fuck no, yourself fuck up. that noise. <laughs> yeah, that shit gets slick. <laughs> no, thank you. I've been a victim too many times. I am going to take a cozy-ass picture once I'm already in the water for the gram. I know, right? What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, you could tell she was being kind of breaking out of herself a little bit. And honestly, it should have been the other chick. Yeah, considering. Fucking, what's her name? Mean Aaron. Girl number one, Erin. Yeah, mean Girl. <laughs> especially after she... She does is like give her ribbing all the time. Well, and especially after she did that goddamn war whoop. Yeah. <laughs> That was fucked up, wasn't it? <laughs> I was like, wait, Does this wait, thing wait. have an amp? <laughs> I was like, ooh, you better stop. <laughs> it's like, wait, what's she doing right now? It's like, all right, it would be appropriate maybe if you're at a Chiefs game, a Braves game. <laughs> but even then, it's like, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> you, you probably shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Seminoles games, you probably shouldn't be doing that shit. But yeah, that was kind of goofy, man. That was weird. Some of the things, too, like the further along we get to go with knowing she's starting to transform, I guess it was part of like that second interview where she's kind of like making these guttural screams and shit, which mm-hmm. I liked a lot, too. I can't remember exactly which scene it was. I just remember like seeing her in bed where she's kind of, I think it was right before she goes into work, where you see like part of her throat and the way she's like in her sheets. It's like, man, she's putting on a killer performance physically. Yeah. But then when she really starts to break down, it's like, this is a lot like watching a Cronenberg film. I feel like at a certain point, they threw in some fake teeth over oh, yeah, over yeah, her, yeah, her grill. Sure. And with that, I kept waiting for the moment that she was going to start pulling, pulling some her teeth, teeth out. out I could never... see that, especially with like meth mouth and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. But that never quite happened. But no, I was... but we got a fingernail pull, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm so glad that it's never happened to me. Like, I've had I've friends had that have... It sucks. Uh, yeah. It sucks dogs, dude. Yeah, I've had friends that have had shit happen where they Oof. busted it just right so that shit knocked out, you know, or whatever, but... Yeah, it sucks. I promise that, like... I've I, had it pretty down low before, but... I had a, a drum barrel that was full of, like, metal scrap roll back on the back of a truck on me, mm. like, in between the, the tailgate... It started to oxidize right on my middle finger, and I started poking at it, and I was like, oh, that doesn't really hurt, because there was blood building up, and mm-hmm. I wound up just peeling it all off. It was, it didn't hurt, but it was like fucked up, weird feeling. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's no good. But no, when it happened, that was like well, the worst fucking pain I've had in a long time. <laughs> it sucked. I don't know if his peeled off originally, uh, or how exactly it came off, but I had a friend coming up in high school. His dad had his own logging company, and he would go out and help him log in the summers. And the blade wasn't going, but he dropped a chainsaw on his toe. Oh, damn. And it fucked up the toenail. And it, I mean, this is now literally like almost 20 years later. Maybe not quite that long. This is, It's at least 15 years later it since happened. this incident happened. So. By now, it <laughs> might be growing back, right? Jesus. But after it fucked up and he lost the toenail, it started not growing back properly. Oh, and it would like weirdly kind of curl in on itself and not quite grow out all the way. And so he'd have to keep it really lowly trimmed. And so he has only mostly nail bed, yeah. not actually oh, nail dude, on that, that toe. Sucks. So I remember in high school, to make it kind of look normal... 
he would paint all of his toenails. <laughs> and so that way he would be able to paint the nail bed and it would oh, kind of just look like blended. everything else. Yeah. yeah. That's smart. That's innovative. Yeah. <laughs> I got to give him credit there. Yeah. So I hope it never happens to you. Hands or toes. Shit sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I hope that uh, his toenails growing back in properly these days. Well, likewise. Uh, <laughs> save him probably on the nail polish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So her physical breakdown, that Cronenberg style breakdown, I was going to ask you too, like how much that affect you? Because I know you typically don't dig too much body horror. I mean, it really depends. Hers didn't bug me too much. It's like shit like the fly gets me, but hers yeah. never got anywhere near that bad. I think if she would have started losing teeth and pulling it out, that would have got me a bit just because I have, I mean, in the past like two years, I've went through like close to eight grand in dental work because yeah. of like different shit in my own mouth. So I uh, very acutely know what dental pain feels like. And so that shit might have got me a little bit, but yeah, I uh, since that never quite happened, I was, I was okay with it. I don't know. Well, that's cool, man. I did read, too, where the scene that she has, like, maggots come out of her mouth. Mm -hmm. That she actually, like, put maggots in her mouth Oof. for that scene because she's, like, she didn't want there to be, like, too much use of CGI and stuff like that. She's like, I'll just do it. Cool. So, Good on yeah. her. So, as I said, she went all the way through. And the thing that really shocks me more than anything about this film is the I fact... I was like, could you put them in, like, a little bit of chocolate sauce? Or something, man. <laughs> This movie was shot in 18 days and on a $50,000 budget. Yeah. Roughly, thereabout. So in order to give a performance like she does in this film, and have to be spot on, because they said the most they would do takes, it's like maybe three takes. They said maybe five for like scenes you wouldn't even think about it would take five times. So, I mean, it was a pretty quick shoot is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. But to be able to pull off, having to be like this, like you said, this uh, actress maybe down on our luck, to being physically tortured <laughs> for some of the stuff that she chose to enhance her career. And then up to the point where she's like fucking stabbing people and stuff. It's like, that's, man, that's a lot of shit to have to do in 18 days. <laughs> Kudos. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But yeah, I, I really liked that shift. I think that's what surprised me the most in this film was like them showing you like her physical decay, going through that rebirth, transformation. I like how it's, it's all spelled it's, out from you, too, by really all is. the voiceovers, and it's just kind of... Like I said, the movie transforms at a certain point halfway through the it movie. It really does. Because you realize that nobody's likable. Something's got to give. But something's also happening. Something's absolutely being set up, and you start wondering what the breaking point is going to be, and that ends up becoming the main mystery Suck of the movie. The Oh, I mean, and not just that, but then, like, she starts yeah. to deteriorate, but you're like, where the fuck is this going? Because so far, it doesn't seem to be... Like, it's not <laughs> intense enough of a body horror for this to yeah, be the it, main exactly. draw. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, we still haven't dealt with the cult, and they're still talking to her. Yeah, they're influencing the process. And so you start wondering, so this is still building to a head, what is it going to be? Because it, it's not just this. It's not just this body horror. It's going to go yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you would hope it would go, is she going to die or what's next? Mm -hmm. Which, that's another thing that's kind of a little bit on the nose, too. It's, you know, she sold herself in order to become a starlet. She sold herself, in this case, to a cult who could promise her those things and, I guess, get them back on the up and up. That's the thing. So, I'm kind of curious where the real downside in this was for her. I know. I mean, in a way, it's kind of like it's a fucked up happy ending for her. Yeah, because she got everything she wanted. Yeah. 
she doesn't have to deal with people that she really didn't care about that much anymore. That's pretty, to she get spelled it. spelled that out right there in that last sequence. She was kind of just whittling away anyway in something that she really didn't want to do. Exactly. I mean, obviously, like we've sort of talked about in other episodes, like, oh, I don't know, The Witch. Like, it's been brought up before, like, she is in still some form of servitude, but she also seems like she can now suck souls and legit has, like, some sort of magic powers, so... Yeah, and... I think I'd take a shot in the mouth for magic powers. She's held in high esteem amongst that group. I mean, as long as she serves their purpose and her purpose, she's good. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven? I see, you know, I mean... We didn't see enough of a downside in this movie yeah. for me to say that she didn't make the right choice. I'm assuming there is a downside. We didn't see it. <laughs> I know. Well, like I said, you know, I guess in its simplest form, too, is the intention is that all of this is a metaphor for something else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Two the downside like, was Tracy died. Tracy was the only one I remember the Tracy name Tracy was cool. Tracy I mean, was cool. Yeah, she spilt beans, but she wasn't a bad person. No. Tracy's biggest downfall is she should have noticed earlier how sick she was getting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But she still noticed, and when she noticed, she was trying to, like, help her. Yeah. She was And she maybe was it wasn't as... Yeah, and maybe it wasn't as much help as she could have possibly given. Yeah. But, but there were also a bunch of, like, 20-somethings, like... I think that's another metaphor, too. It's like it's a dog-eat-dog kind of thing they're doing anyway, mm-hmm. you know? So, But one of the metaphors I like, too, has to do with the character Danny himself. Like, he's wanting to make a film and use his friends to make this film. So some of it, too, is like, I wonder how much of a play is it on, like, indie filmmakers versus, like, big studio filmmakers? And this is, like, their way of saying, hey, we can make a good film that doesn't have to be big studio money. And still make fun of you and <laughs> use these super meta things. I uh, wonder how much that was in play as well. These guys are indie filmmakers. He was also more likable than a lot of the other characters. He certainly was. I still don't think he was as likable as Tracy. No, and you're I, right. And I think it's because I still felt like for a good portion of the movie, he was absolutely willing to dump Aaron if he got a chance at sleeping with. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's Sarah. probably the trope that they're going for. I mean, you know for a fact that he never take... brought he never brought up to the group that <laughs> oh, he's no, the no. one that dosed her the night that she went off and prostituted herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he contributed. I mean, that was for her, too. Is like she saw Aaron kiss Danny, and she's like, all right, that's all I needed to see, mm-hmm. how much I'm revered in this group. Yeah, and she's like, I'm going to suck the D and get what I want. Fuck the rest of you guys. Also, I did appreciate the second time around... I don't know if this was intentional or something I was just wanting to see, especially with where the movie goes with, I mean, just having a cult in place to begin with, which is always kind of just brings in religion in general. Yeah. And her getting dosed by Danny almost being like her taking communion. Uh, Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Especially because she does it the old school way where she just (laughs) and he places it. Oh, I know that that's the old school Catholic way. It's funny. You'd see like the I'm going because I grew up going to church and shit. Yeah, like you'd, fucking the old ladies and old Take the it. older generation <laughs> would go up and they would leave their hands down and they would just open their mouth uh-huh. and the priest would put the wafer on their tongue because that was the old school way. And then you'd see all of us kids coming up and we just put our hands up because we're like, you don't need to be putting anything directly in our mouths. I was good with that <laughs> part of the ritual. I'm good, bro. <laughs> I can you can put it put in my it. hand, I will put it in my own mouth. Yeah. Thank you. I it's, learned how to do this a few years ago. Like, it's going all to the same place, brother. <laughs> Let's put it here. It's the middle man. 
That's fucking funny, dude. And then I'm going to go get my sip of wine. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point, too. Which then she washed it down with a beer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I want to talk maybe a little bit, too, about the score. I know we haven't mentioned it. Oh, the awesome synth score? Dude. And like I said, I mentioned earlier, too, when we were talking about the cast and uh, crew, was that the intent at first was to use more of a, a you know, traditional piece, you know, and... Which I think still would have worked absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, with it certainly this movie. would have. But I was like, it kind of maybe for LA too. It's kind of has that kind of synthy kind of feel, I suppose, the way it's been portrayed in film and movie and all that other stuff. Yeah, but I really liked it. I thought it was not overdone, but just. I was just about right. to say it was very subtle. Good portion of the movie, I really didn't even notice it was synth. I just noticed that there was music happening behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, oh, there's these notes happening behind. And then it would come in when needed. And you're, like you said, sort of a little bit of an L.A. vibe. It's kind of what you've come to expect from this sort of shit. Like, yeah, exactly. L.A. and Miami should have synth going. Yeah, all times 24-7. <laughs> I mean, video games don't help that any, no, anyhow. No, not one bit. GTA. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, I really enjoyed the score because it was just enough to where they didn't overextend themselves in this respect. So I was like, I like that a lot, too. A lot of the shots itself, like the establishing shots, man, these guys, they do a really good job. The cinematographer, that was really good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all the way through to the kills, that's kind of what I want to say. Super props to the director and the cinematographer. I thought there was a lot of shots throughout this movie whenever she was with the group of friends. Friends. Big air quotes. (laughs) No, they Tracy's friends. (laughs) That they did a really good job of showing how distance she felt from the rest of them. Absolutely. As I say, they used certain, like I said, scenes and, and the way they frame things. And the depth sometimes. Yeah. And I like, like that, too. Pool, they use the depth a lot. Yeah. And that's what I appreciated, too. It's like everything flowed very well. It was just a really well-made film for the budget, too. Like, these guys did a fucking great job. The effects, man. <laughs> Gotta talk about the effects in this, for sure. Well, if we're, okay. Can't help it. So good. I mean, the deterioration (laughs) gradually ramps up more and more. That's awesome. Her losing her hair in... Right before we get into the effects, because it's right where all the effects start really getting needed, I do want to say that one of the things I really liked was right before all the violence starts happening at the end, right before the sacrifices happen. Yeah, yeah. When Aaron shows legit concern when she sees how bad Sarah's actually gotten. Yeah, exactly. And it's just more, like I kind of said earlier, where they're not bad people, they're just kind of shitty people. Yeah, exactly. she was still as fucking bitchy as she was to her throughout the movie. It's like, she's still one of the only people she ever hangs around. And, like, you suddenly see her looking that rough. Yeah, you're like, you know something's not... As much shit as you can give somebody and still be, like, you know, into yourself and stuff, there's still a little bit of, like, hey... You know, are you all right? But then, stab, 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 slice, slice, slice. Oh, man. <laughs> that, too, like I said, the first time through watching this film, wasn't expecting any of that third act, like, playing itself out the way it did. I was like, man. I mean, I could understand if they just, like, you know, doing cut scenes, like, you know she killed this person, that person. They showed it, <laughs> and I'm glad they did. Yeah. Gruesome. It was I mean, I'll, Yeah, it was gruesome. The cheek slice was really oh, well yeah. done. A lot of awesome blood. I mean, you have um, to give those kids A lot too of them credit. were just simple stabs, and I don't mean that to take away from no, it. No, I know what you mean. It's just, 
I mean, the highlight, of course, is the fucking dumbbell, if we're oh, going to go for gore. Oh, damn. Because that's what I really <laughs> wasn't expecting. Like, I've seen really well-done stabs, and they do really well-done stabs. Yeah. I don't want to take away from the stab I know work. you're saying that, yeah. But god damn that dumbbell. That dumbbell. <sighs> that was nice. And it kept cutting back to it, like, way more times than I thought it was going to. Because it would, like, cut up to her for a second, and you're like, okay, well, she's dead three hits ago. They're not going to show it again. Oh, God, they showed it again. Oh, God, why do they keep yeah, showing it? it was like a pudding. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, wow, that was gruesome. <laughs> that was good. She really fucked up Erin, too. Like, choked her out, stabbed her, slashed her. She got her good. Yeah. She got old boy Poe. Like, he was all right. He was kind of, you know, he was artsy-fartsy, like, you know, typical kind of dude, but... I don't think he ever did anything wrong, per se. I'm really surprised she never got Tater Guy. I know, right? I thought she was going to get Tater Guy. Like I said, the only thing that... And I thought that... Think that too and is. not... What was a homeboy's name that kept seeing Tater Guy be shitty to her? David? Something like that? There was... Uh, there was oh, there was two yeah, there of was them, two wasn't guys. There? One was Mario, and well, one, I think, was David. Like, I told you to thaw out the fries. I was really hoping that she was going to get Tater Guy, and that they were both going to see... Yeah, like, stab that fucker, eh? <laughs> And or not even say anything, just like look the other way and turn off, and she would just let them go too. Because like, it wasn't, I mean, they get a couple, they get a couple stabs too. You know, they would. <laughs> no, but I, I know what you're saying. Just through this series of events in this film, you would expect somebody like of his. And for a second, I really didn't think she, <laughs> she was, was going to get, get Tracy. For a second, I, I thought she was going to leave her. Tracy should have just left her in that bedroom. It's like, nope, she's underneath the cover. She's good. Oh, she would have just hung out though. Like she doesn't. Yeah. She's potentially immortal. I mean, we don't know what her fucking powers are, but yeah, I'm gonna guess exactly. potentially immortal. Now <laughs> it was a little vampiric. It was like her maybe stealing her soul, sucking her soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. You don't know to what extent her powers are if she has supernatural power, which we probably know she does. But it appeared something went on because she suddenly came out. I know. It was pretty gnarly. Fucking... Reborn. Uh, yeah, going into the ground apparently is great for your fucking skin. I know, dude. I'll have to consider that. Right? <laughs> but I liked all of it, man. Even the tones of colors. Like, red, right now, anytime you see red in a fucking horror film, you know something sinister is going to happen. They did a little bit a little bit of a reversal with that, because she turned down the advance while she was wearing the red dress initially. She went back with a solid black dress on and black heels, and that's when, you know... What was she wearing originally? For the first one, she had the red. The, the girl, Erin, made a comment. She's like, aren't you over No, no, but I mean for the first audition. Oh, it was just something simple, like a dress, just a simple yeah. dress. Okay. Yeah, I, I was kind of paying attention a little bit to what she was wearing. <laughs> it's kind of weird to say, but tonally is what I'm getting at. Like, you could see certain shifts, and it was just... I think it was just well-crafted all around. It was clever in acknowledging that they're playing on certain tropes. They're kind of punching upward a little bit, too. Like making statements about Hollywood, the culture. Mm-hmm. the we talked about the casting couch kind of stuff. Just big influence, big studio influence, and how it just kind of spits out people at random and at will. You know? Maybe sort of an insight into how degrading the life of one of these people can be. Yeah. Because it's not all sure. the glamour that it's made out to be. I mean, we can't say firsthand, but as people who talk about this and often read interviews and... Exactly. So it's not like we're just pulling this from thin air. I mean, it's it's our research. It's what actors and people within the community have, have said for it. years and years and yeah, years. Yeah, this isn't so. like breaking news. <laughs> it's an industry well where you get way more no's than yeses. Yeah. 
and you hope that one of those yeses turns into something big, most of the time you end up being body number three on CSI. Exactly, dude. It just goes to show, like, it's clever how they wrote this thing out. And not only that, like, they could have made this film without showing the gore and, you know, the body breakdown. And, and it, it would still, still work. Yeah, I was it was still would have worked on a commentary level. It probably would have been a lot more on the nose in that regard. But because they chose to show their influences, what they can do with special effects on a low budget, what they can do with somebody who can act these parts out to... Mm-hmm given the chance and opportunity. I Absolutely part of what elevates this movie. It starts with something, Strong it continues to be that thing, yeah. but then goes way overboard in the end. And that's, in a, that's in a, where a, I the like best way. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, that was the thing that tickled me pink. It's like, I like the film the way it's already paced itself. Like, even if it was super cliche, you know, if they would have been over the top with the cult aspect or, you know, like the struggling actress and all that stuff. But like you said, the way it plays itself out, it's like, ooh, I'm excited about Pet Cemetery now. This movie is one of those examples, though, of lies in promotion, because one of the images I very often see associated with this Starry Eyes movie is the stars carved over the eyes, yeah. and I was waiting for that to happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but that was more, like you said, probably marketing ploy. Yeah. 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 I mean, it... Sold me on the idea, too. It's You hear starry eyes. What exactly does that mean? The spaceship Laura. Yeah. Chad Heroine. couldn't believe his eyes. <laughs> Chad could, It might have been the stardust in his eyes. Probably. Ziggy stardust. <laughs> Some Bowie. <laughs> but no, I, I would say like... Go watch it. Yeah, if you want to see a, a low-budget indie film Oh, yeah, this done, feels like an indie perfect. movie all the way through. Yeah. This feels so indie. Man. I liked it, though, man. I, li- I really enjoyed this film a lot. It's one of those, too. Like, I'm glad that you wanted to venture into this film as well and giving us a little bit more insight on what we're going to get ourselves into, hopefully, potentially, with Pet Cemetery, But just to show like what people can do with limited resources. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys can do it well. I think the people who did Summer of 84, like, that was a low budget. They can do shit really well. So what I'm saying is indies, I think it's having its movement, man. It's having its moment. There's some really good indie films. <laughs> Fucking good. Like, really good. Shit, I don't have much else to say on this movie, though. No, just really enjoyed it. What more can we say? Go yeah. check it out. Now, hopefully next week, we'll actually get to test... Some people's frights. Well, not your fright. I know how no, we you did can that handle this movie. Weekend. We already watched these You know, movies. even going back, watching the scenes that I didn't really want to see, I was like, yeah, they're bad, but they weren't as bad as I think I'm building them up in my mind or in my head. It's yeah. still something I don't want to see, but it's like, I can I can handle it. I can it still handle sucks. it. Still sucks. Can handle it. Yeah, we'll it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be. Oh, that's the part I'm looking forward to because I know I can handle it, but can they handle it? Can they handle it? What will they want to do? Pat? Well, they want to go. I still keep wondering if they're. <sighs> they were the ones that brought up the possibility of round three. I'm just going to throw that out there. And if they want to go that way, we'll bring it. That I'm all right way. with that. We, you and I have mentioned that. We're totally fine with that. I've been actively thinking about it. Like, what kind of fucked up movies can oh. we throw at them? We have plenty at our disposal. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah. If for some reason it pops up that we can't do it again, we'll show up with another backup like we did like this. Yeah, that's okay. We can do this all day long, yeah, all well, night long. It shows that we can crunch time, too, and pick out a pretty solid film. Oh, dude, this movie was great. Now, hopefully you all want to keep listening to us. Please hit subscribe, however you're listening to us right now. If you would leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome. That gets us into the algorithm and all that good shit to get the word out to more people. 
because we like being listened to. That's yeah, why we sit here and talk for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, we enjoy these films. We enjoy giving our take on it. And we enjoy feedback, too. So don't be afraid to let us know if you agree or disagree with ideas that we share, or if there are certain things that you want us to review, or maybe you feel like we need to review. You know, like, this is a film you don't know about. Maybe you should talk about it. Let Ab- us know. Absolutely. You can always go to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Our full archives there. The latest episodes always streaming down at the bottom. Links to the Insta, to the oh, Twitter, yeah. to the Facebook. Fried Squirms across all platforms. Really easy to find us. You can contact us through the website or squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Really looking forward to seeing what happens at the end of next week, too. See God, if they want to continue. hate us. That's what I was thinking, oh, too. They're us. really going to hate us after those two films. But I think it makes for good conversation. It fucking better. I hope they're not just sitting there traumatized. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of hope a little Dylan bit. Dylan might just be, his face just permanently stuck in that rickety screen. call out all week. <laughs> We're going to have to fucking chisel it back down into place. <laughs> but no, I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody else is looking forward to it. And if not, let us know how we can change. That's right. Until then, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Ah!